everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. Yeah. Seen anything like this? How much more are you hiding? Hold up! Let's go, go, go! You are now listening to Sanity at the Movies! Yeah! This is Nathan Alberson, your humble obedient host, joined by the pastor, Jacob Menzel. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing well. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing well. DJ Noise. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> yeah! Because we're talking right. about Black Panther today, man. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Uh huh. From our position as privileged white males. That's right. We can yeah. talk about Black We're Panther. We talk about it. <laughs> no, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. This is an, a big, exciting movie, and it's some people listening to us, they might be thinking about whether to take their kids to see the Black Panther. We can tell them whether to do it or not, right? Yeah. That's fun. So, you are, I'm the humble and obedient host, creative director of warhornmedia.com. You, what should we call those guys? The CEO. That's yeah. The chief that's executive me. officer. Yes. The king of our little country. That's right. The country of war. Warhorn. Warcondia. Warhornia. Is anybody happy with that at no. all? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair never won fun, fate lady, folks. <laughs> Sometimes you got to try things. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fairheart never won fame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Being an example yes, did, of the actually. kind of thing that you might try. <laughs> We're talking about Black Panther. Now, we've also got, if, when you're going to have a conversation, you need somebody to turn the knobs and turn the dials. And who better than our faithful engineer, Benjamin Solzer. How are you doing today, Ben? Good, Nathan. We'll be checking in with you periodically. Have you seen this Black Panther film? I have seen it. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, do you have thoughts on the Black Panther film? I have thoughts. <laughs> well, we may be checking in with you for your take on it from times to times, or we'll have you type the keyboard and look things up. Facts about Black Panther. Very popular movie, this Black Panther. Made lots of money. And I've seen reviews that say, compare it to a Shakespearean epic. It's got like a 97% Rotten Tomato meter. Yep. People are talking about this as being an important movie, as being a watershed uh, event, as being, you know, some uh, cultural touchstone. For Similar, it's being compared to Wonder Woman for... Uh, same kinds of reasons. But what Wonder Woman did for women, this movie is doing for people of color would be the idea behind That's that. right. Directed by Ryan Coogler, one of the hottest young directors out there. He's black. A lot of the, the hot young black actors and actresses, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. Lapita Nyong'o. And more. This is a big cast. Yeah, you've of, got your Angela Bassett. You've got your Forrest Whitaker. So... This is going to be an interesting movie to talk about. It's not going to be possible for us to pretend like this movie isn't trying to say a lot of things about race in our culture today. So we're going to have to talk about that a little bit. Yep. No sense in doing anything but getting into it, right? How about we just go to work? <laughs> yeah, so let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. Let's talk about the movie, guys. This is what, what I propose to do. We're going to talk about the good, the bad. Then we're going to say, should people's kids see the movie? Then we're going to say, should people see the movie? All right, let's do it. First of all, we did have at least one friend who we said, hey, you should see Black Panther. And he said, what's that? Is it animated? So just in <laughs> case any of those people are listening, what's Black Panther, Jake? Black Panther is like the 18th or something installment in the MCU. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, the world built around the superheroes known as the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Black Panther is a recent addition to that universe. So it is a Marvel standalone superhero movie focused on Black Panther, who is a black man. He is the king of the fictional African country of Wakanda, which is an advanced African civilization hidden in the middle of Africa, 
posing to be nothing more than a third world country, uh, but they have advanced technology, largely thanks to an alien meteorite. Rich deposit of vibranium. Yeah, rich deposit of vibranium on a mountain that they mine and that has magical, essentially magical properties. So this is a really cool kingdom that combines like the coolest, latest tech, but also this kind of African it's tribal cultural. It's very Afrocentric or Afrofuturistic. And so Wakanda is a great big what if. Right. What if there had been an African civilization that had been allowed to develop and be distinctly African without being interrupted by the colonialists? So, so visually, it's very colorful. It's got all this uh, tribal looking stuff. Uh, apparently, you know, you can read articles about how they drew from this idea or this tribe. Or yeah, this. lots of articles about how insanely researched every aspect of what's depicted in terms of African culture, Afrofuturism is the word that I keep seeing. Articles about, well, this, you know, aspect goes, you know, it comes from this tribe or comes from this thing or this historical thing or that. There's a scene that's representative of the whole movie where he's being crowned king, our hero is being crowned king, and so they give him a potion that takes away his superpowers, and then all the tribes gather and anyone can challenge him to a, basically a battle to the death. And you wear a, an ancient tribal mask and you... And you have his ancient uh, tribal weapons. You have his you sister there who's kind of this tech guru Q type character and she's kind of rolling her eyes at the pageantry of it, but there's still this generation, including our hero perhaps, who do believe in this ritual. So it really combines different ideas into one hodgepodge that people seem to really like that bought their tickets. But we're going to talk about it. But that's Black Panther. Is there anything else we need to say? I guess we should say what the plot is because that's important to talking about the movie. Black Panther is T'Challa. He's a, print, a Wakandan prince. His father is killed. T'Challa is the heir to the throne. He's the oldest son of the king. And so he is going to be promoted to the rank of king. There is somebody else of royal blood, played by Michael B. Jordan, plays the character Eric Johnson, Killmonger, who is a half Wakandan prince who was orphaned and left out in the cold, cruel world of the streets of Oakland. He grows up and becomes a, a black ops awesome fighter guy who's killed lots and lots of people. For the American government. For the American government. He's just an angry man, and he goes, challenges T'Challa for the throne, and he attempts to take over Wakanda and distribute Wakanda's tech across the world to basically empower all black people in all places to turn the tables on the colonizers who have created a... Yeah, to the colonizers who have created a a white supremacist world. Wakanda has all of this stuff, this advanced tech, ways to heal people, ways to feed people, ways to care for people, ways to protect people. It's kept it all to itself. It's been isolationist. And that's how it's protected itself and thrived. But it's done so to the disadvantage of lots of people out there that could have benefited by that. And so there's a lot of things at play. Michael B. Jordan just wants to reverse the roles on everybody, flip and turn the tables. And that's that fight. There are other sub-characters that are like, you know, we should lower the curtain here and really use all this stuff to help people in a positive way. That's the conflict of the movie. Michael B. Jordan really embodies every uh, disenfranchised, angry uh, black male that's what his job is in the movie. Right. If you wanted to look at it in a really simplistic way, he's the Malcolm X of this story. The If you're going to, yeah, be really simplistic uh, uh, in how you view it, you have Malcolm X and you have Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And he's Malcolm X. I, he is the force that drives the movie forward. Yep. And the movie has the perhaps good sense. We'll discuss that later, I'm assuming, but to let him make his case and make it strongly and to let the audience feel his pain. So that's the movie. What was the what were the good things about this movie? The performances were awesome. I thought Michael B. Jordan did a great job uh, playing yep. Eric Killmonger. He was he made the movie. If the movie was made, it was because he made it. His performance made it. Uh, you, you, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa was great. Lupita Lupita Nyong'o gave a nice performance as the the sort of quasi love interest. I don't remember her name, but. Uh, Look She's at that, new. It's a break. It's a breakout uh, performance. What was the? What was Who? Q? Who played Q? Uh, I, Bozeman's sister, T'Challa's sister. I'm annoyed that I. She was great. Very appealing. The, the, yeah, yeah. She uh, was. Performer. She was. She was the most attractive of the women characters. Yeah, she was awesome. Most and, attractive uh, in like um, or like. She was the most feminine. 
Letitia Wright. She, yeah, she was great. And what was the name of the lady that played the spear-wielding <clears throat> That's captain of the guard? Denai Guerrero. Yeah. Yeah. So some really strong performances. Andy Serkis oh, did yeah. a lot of work <laughs> early in the movie to make the movie fun and interesting. Yeah, he was, he was fun, pretty great. Just chewing the scenery. Yep. Um, playing a blatantly awful, racist, horrible, which is nice to have one of uh, just a, a non-complicated villain, a villain. villain. Yeah. <laughs> in a movie like this. Martin Freeman, I've, I've not really appreciated. I love Martin Freeman in general, but... I don't think it's his fault. They settle him with a flat American accent in these Marvel movies, and then yeah. they, do they make him play a really kind of button-down character, and it's like, that's not what you really want to see Martin Freeman yeah, he was yeah, boring. doing. doing. Yeah, it's, it's his role in the MCU has been pretty lame. It, they did a nice job with him in this film. I, I want to single out the performances as being one of the strongest aspects of the film. I'm 100% on board with you. And that's really what I guess I have not seen the other Ryan Cooler movies, but it seems to me that he's an he's an, he must be an actor's director. I, no, I, I think I think to say that he's an actor's director is probably right on. Now he's had Michael B. Jordan be at the heart of every one of his movies so far, and Michael B. Jordan happens to be a fantastic actor. Well, you know, I so, mean, Martin Scorsese has his uh, Robert De Niro, and um, well, it's just smart. Steven Spielberg it's likes just to team smart. up with certain people. I mean, you just you have a good cast of people that you like to work with you and they like to work with you why would you not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah i thought creed's awesome and creed's awesome because michael b jordan is awesome and sylvester stallone is awesome and they're pretty awesome together true or false jake michael b jordan will be nominated for an oscar true. for this film true absolutely i think the academy and to be remembered give it to him. by the time february is a famously horrible time if you want to be remembered come awards season because people have a year to forget get about you basically before the next academy awards rolls around but i bet that they remember at least michael b jordan if not even other people from this movie yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this was one of those movies that just swept it's important quote unquote well it's, the i mean yeah it's well done it's the kind of movie the academy can feel really good about rewarding and it's also the kind of movie that people will feel good about tuning in to watch when the marvel fans and the populace at large will be excited to see it nominated and to see it go up against whatever it goes up against and they'll want to watch which will boost academy award ratings and make more money for people that like to make money so mm -hmm. it's a smart move for them to nominate this movie all across the board but especially michael b jordan will be nominated there's almost no question of that uh coogler coogler will be nominated michael b jordan will be nominated the movie itself will, probably be, will be nominated yeah we're not saying he deserves it. We're just saying hmm. he will. Hmm. I think he will. I bet you're right. All right. I mean, Patty Jenkins was nominated for Wonder Woman. No, she wasn't. Wonder Woman was swept out. Was was locked out. Thanks locked to us. Locked out. No nominations. Yeah. Are we going to do the same for Black Panther guys? We might get a nomination. We might love this movie. We haven't said yet. Um, I will say, with respect to the actors, Marvel... Kugler's obviously great working with actors. These actors are obviously great. And I'm happy to be impressed by that. The one sort of cynical thing I will throw in there is that these big studio movies, they really, these days, they're smart and they hire A-list casts. And it can really add a lot to a lame B-list uh, plot, mm -hmm. plot and a B-list movie and really elevate some chintzy dialogue and stuff if you just have some great actors to say it you know it's like Forrest Whitaker plays you know just a background character yeah 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 when exactly. you've got that kind of star power it's yeah not, it's I, a good it's a smart thing to casting is half the battle yeah right? great directors say they they get a good script get a good cast and then step back step and watch back magic and happen <laughs> let it happen <laughs> so anything else good about this movie Black I'll, Panther? I'll throw this out there by and large Wakanda really does feel like a lived-in world. You compare it to Asgard and those stupid Thor movies. Yeah, and Asgard man, is nothing. You really feel like there's yeah. something of a culture. And it's all, you know, what Brandon Chastain from The Booking, if he was here, would probably say is like shadow puppets or something. Like You know, it's all, they walk down one street, they stand in one corridor, but there really is a skill to giving us a few representative examples of things from a made-up culture and making it feel real that, uh, for example, Asgard's a really good example of a culture that just feels weird and phony and like it was just mm -hmm. created for the movie, whereas this one feels very lived in. It feels lived in. It feels like a real place. It feels... It, and there's a lot of... It's very colorful. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of natural beauty to it. It's nice to look at, yeah. It's, it's nice to see a movie with color. I, I, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, what did 
like, what did I mean by that? No, I just mean like bright, vivid colors, reds and golds and greens. And like so many movies these days, the, w- the way the palette it's very is washed done out. is very washed out yeah. and grimy and grim and dark, grim dark, as the internet likes to say about certain things. But uh, the palette of this film is very, very bright, vivid. Yeah, and it's just it's fun to it's a fun movie to watch. So I'll I'll say that I thought for what it was worth, the cinematography was nice and the stuff and things was nice. It was a nice movie to look at. Yeah, it was. I don't think the action scenes were very good generally, but action kinda... scenes. Jake, what do you think? This kind uh, of n- not a huge fan of the action scenes either. And I think that um, I read somebody else uh, make this point. That Coogler is very capable of directing really cool hand-to-hand scenes. Apparently Creed has some really cool boxing but, matches. Yeah, it has some really good... Cool, there's a lot to commend about Creed, and the boxing choreography is part of that. And then you have this sort of, you know, Marvel needs a big CGI fight mm-hmm. type type stuff happening. And there were aspects to those fights that were cool, but, you know, it just... Agreed. That, yeah. It just sort of got CGI'd up. I liked the, the car chase a decent amount. I thought Spear Lady. You, you want to know something? I I would have. I really resent Lexus because the the product placement took you out of it. The product placement and had the the Super Bowl commercial teaser mm-hmm. together with the product placement sort of took me out of it, and I would have liked that that whole chase a lot more if it didn't have that hmm. Super Bowl spot. It just felt just like too much. I have just decided in my life not to let that sort of thing bother me. Movies are really, really expensive, particularly those movies, and so they have to make these dumb product placement deals. I just, I, I like to spot, like in uh, Man of Steel was the worst, where they have this fight in Smallville or whatever, and it's just like Best Buy, and then he's flying through Marathon Gas Station. It's just like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. And I've just, uh, I'm like, oh, cool, Lexus. <laughs> I didn't, see, I didn't mind it there. I don't know what it, I think it's the commercial. The commercial, yeah, I'm I sure it is. it's the actual was. commercial that... Yeah, I didn't Having seen notice. that footage cut for a Lexus commercial and then seeing it in context was just annoying. I don't well, know if there's something about that that but I will threw say, it off. As, as a noted internet misogynist, <laughs> I thought Spear Lady was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spear Lady had some cool. sweet moves. Yeah, Sp- Spear Lady was actually more fun to watch in action and, and easier to she find the, on the screen than Black Panther. She was. had all the best action moments. I mean, yeah. just her spear fight in the James Bond scene. I'll call it the James Bond scene, the scene sure. in the, the casino. casino or whatever. Yeah. Was cooler than anything that Black CGI, Black Panther jumping around was not as exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, but the the two ritual combat scenes were actually were genuinely tense. I thought. Yeah, yeah, those were good. well done. I'm yeah, always I always hate seeing those kinds of scenes in a PG-13 movie, and it's not because I want to watch an R-rated movie with a lot of gore, but it's because of the they have to cut certain things just for the weird requirements of PG-13. So you just you can only have, for example, so many gunshots before they'll be afraid it's going to influence a kid a bad way. What? So oh. there's there's just these weird rules that always make those scenes feel a little bit cut too tightly. The R-rated version, it's not that, again, it's not that I want to see the decapitation or the horrible mutilation. It's just letting those action scenes breathe. And feel... Yeah, you can actually you can actually let them breathe a little bit and feel a little bit more. Therefore, feel more tense because you're not you don't have to cut around the uh, PG-13 movies often give you the idea of violence without actually showing you the violence, which can be good and can be effective and can save us from having to see some, you know, gore feed our bloodlust. It can be good. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, but it can be for scene like that in particular. It can be a little bit of a challenge, I think. And sometimes you just got Matt Damon and you're trying to cut out cut around the fact that he's matt he's damon matt damon and so you have this brutal <laughs> sound design and it sounds like he's really beating up these guys and then you just like throw the all this stuff in a blender and you take it out you, you get some really good really good fight scenes in those first three movies nope uh, I, I like it a lot it's oh. it puts you it puts you in the heads of the combatants and you can still follow the movements i don't want to be in the heads of the combatants i want to be able to watch people actually do something cool it's like when i watch a music video i don't want to be in the head of the person dancing i want to see somebody dance i want to be impressed by somebody's dancing i don't want the impression of dancing i don't want the postmodern. and so therefore i hate a lot of modern music videos because they cut so fast and they consist of so many close-ups that i can't actually tell whether shakira or whoever not the i don't know who it is whether justin timberlake can dance anyway that's neither here nor there. I thought Black Panther, I could always usually tell what was going on. That was nice. Some of it was a little CGI. There were some rhinoceroses that figured 
in the... How'd you feel about the rhinoceri? The rhinoceri were a little silly, I thought. Mm -hmm. You don't want your using of African culture to ever feel like we're just watching a lion king, the Lion King and the rhinoceros is kind of pushed kind it of over pushed the top. That direction. The, you know, they should have just had Circle of Life come on the soundtrack at that point because <laughs> we're all in this together, including the rhinoceri. You know, I think the best answer to that, Nathan, is just to say the reason why Amazing Spider-Man 2 is <laughs> so excellent because it has some of the best sequences of that kind of stuff. You know, I really think that was the best answer uh, insofar as it invalidated any credibility that people may have been giving to your <laughs> arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is, is there Times anything... Square scene is pretty yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything else good about this movie that we want to talk about? The plot was okay. It was a classic kind of a hero's journey plot. I'll talk about some things I didn't like about the plot and about the way that they did everything when we get to our bad section. But Eric Killmonger, Michael Keaton, Tom Hiddleston, and Jeff Bridges. Top four Marvel villains. Easy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have plenty negative to say about this movie, I think. So I'll just say I was with the movie the whole time. I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I think just in terms of being like, eh, I'll go along with this. I eh, and went along with it quite a bit. I enjoyed it. I teared up at the appropriate moments. I cheered at the appropriate moments, sometimes against my better interests, like with the feminist spear lady. I was like, yeah, go spear lady. And then I was like, wait, Nathan, you're a noted internet misogynist. You can't think that. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. I had a fun time with it while I was watching it. Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you made a note of me seeming distracted when we watched it. You did seem very distracted while we watched it. And I was. Um, but you were actually, as it turned out, distracted for real by something. That something else that was happening. Movie. Yeah. That was putting pressure on my presence at, at the theater at the time that I was having trouble dealing with. That probably, I don't know how much that influenced the way that I, I enjoyed the movie, but I did enjoy it. It was a fine Marvel movie, and we can have a discussion about whether or not that, that that's okay, an okay standard of judgment. I think absolutely not, and that's a great segue into our, <laughs> into our what's bad about this. There we go. <laughs> I hate it when people say that. I hate that. I hate it with all my heart. <laughs> I don't hate you. I don't even know that you would necessarily disagree with what I'm, not I'm about sure that to I say. Would. So I'm not, I'm not coming out strong against Jake. He just gave me a foothold into getting into the discussion here. When people say, oh, it's just a summer blockbuster. What should you expect? No, that's wrong. There's a big difference between a great summer blockbuster, like a, let's let's just say a Dark Knight uh, is one that people seem to like. I've got my problems with it, but it's you know it's got an iconic performance at the center. It's a good movie, and let's say a, a Transformers. There's a difference. They're both summer blockbusters. One's a really good movie. The other one's not. So I do not forgive. It's just a Michael Bay film. What do you want? Explosions. I want it CGI. to not be a Michael Bay film. It should be ashamed of itself for being a Michael <laughs> Bay film. It's okay to go to a movie for entertainment. It's okay for to go to a movie for with the primary goal to be to be entertained. That's fine. And and that's that's okay. Not everything has to make some larger commentary. Not everything has to be important. Some Sometimes you can just go to a comedy to laugh. Sometimes you can just go to an action movie to get your heart thumping at exciting things. I don't have any problem with that, but I still think we can make real value judgments. And I think when the filmmaking craft is good and when the writing is there when the characters are strong when the dialogue is good it helps you lose yourself in that world and it helps you get more of whatever you want so if you're if you, if all you want is to go to an exciting superhero movie it's going to be more exciting if the dialogue is good it, you know if the characters are strong if the story tracks if there's not things to distract you so i think it's worth holding these movies i think without being a snob about it it's worth holding these things to some kind of a standard to which the appropriate reply from Jake would be, oh, yeah, that's what I was saying, Nathan. Uh, 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 yeah, I was saying we shouldn't hold this movie to any standard. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. So you can go ahead and make that reply now. <laughs> well, when I say that it was a good, fine uh, Marvel movie, part of what I'm trying to do is to, you should see the MCU kind of as a tapestry. Mm hmm almost as one great big movie that is playing out with different parts and pieces trying to come together. Right. It's its own thing. It's its own world. It is, in fact, its own universe. And everything's trying to contribute to and build out that universe. 
And it's a superhero movie. It's good versus like it would be a dumb criticism, for example, to say, well, he defeated the villain at the end. What a surprise. It's a superhero movie. This is an MCU movie. You should genre. Yes. Genre matters in your discussion. Oh, it was another hero's journey. Please. Invalid criticism. He's a hero. That's the job. He's going on a journey. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, insofar as you saying it was a Marvel movie allows us to know what kind of a thing it is and what it's trying to do and then to evaluate it on those terms. Good. It's trying to establish a new character in this universe and build him in such a way that he matters when it comes to Infinity War, the consummation of the MCU to this point. That's just like, I mean, it's trying to do a lot more than that, but in terms of the big picture, grand scope of what Marvel's doing, it needs to introduce a character, make you like him, make you understand where he came from, see how he fits into things, and make you invested in him when it comes time for the big showdown with the big bad. And it depends, like that movie working depends on you having been invested in all of these. Like when Infinity War hits, it's going to trade on the fact that you have seen 18, 20, however many, 15 to 30, however many that there are other movies where you've invested in these characters and their development over the course of multiple movies Mm -hmm. and multiple plots. This movie is trying trying to stand alone and trying to fit within that universe. And that's a tall ask. I'm not saying that we can't judge it as a standalone film. I'm only saying that... It was. It had had to do a lot and it had to do it well. Yeah. At the same time, they had infinite money, infinite resources. They, could they hire put the a couple actors. hundred million dollars into it. If they wanted Cormac McCarthy to write the screenplay, they could have paid him enough money. You know, they can have anybody they want to write this thing, to direct this thing, to make this thing. So there's really no excuse for anything but a high quality product because this is the preeminent production line. It is Disney. It is Marvel. It is... I don't know. When a Marvel movie comes out, it's going to be guaranteed to make bank. Right. Just just because it's a Marvel movie. Right. Although we'll see if Ant-Man and the Wasp makes bank. (laughs) (laughs) Given all that, it does irritate me how lazy the movie is with with its whole third act. There's there's uh, without spoiling it. I don't know how far we want to go into spoilers, but there there are three separate characters that make lame decisions and then turn around. You know, like it's the classic. I won't help you until the chips are down, and then I'll help you. There's like three of those. It's just so lazy, and it doesn't track. Things like that do bother me because yeah, it's just a superhero movie, but I want you know I'm able to lose myself in the superheroics of it all better if these characters track, you know, if it makes sense and if it doesn't just seem to be dictated by the requirements of the plot. And I know that sounds snobby and I I just thought it was lame and lazy and it made the movie less fun. And I don't know why everybody is so eager to forgive the movie or to just not notice the really obvious dumb things that it does, except for that the movie is important, quote unquote. Well, that's why. That's why. Because everybody's really excited to have not just a black superhero, but a black movie. Mm Mm-hmm in the MCU feels the significance of it. And every white person's afraid to be critical. Right. Lots of black people are afraid to be critical or don't want to be critical for lots of reasons. It's sort of like when President Obama was elected and you have a bunch of white evangelicals being excited about that, praising our ability to get past our racist whatever and, you know, weeping tears of joy that a black man had been made president despite the fact that he was the single most pro-abortion bloodthirsty candidate that was offered up to our country Mm -hmm. you you have this juggernaut of this movie supposed to be making a mark and so it therefore must be forgiven all its faults and flaws yeah and i just i reject i mean i reject that do we have to (laughs) whitewash this movie simply because i mean let's let's accept that it's important let's accept for a moment just hypothetically that the importance that it brings is good do we have to pretend like it doesn't have real flaws that it couldn't be a better no i think that i think i think that we if there is importance and significance to it then we we honor that significance and importance by dealing with the flaws and in fact it would seem that we honor that significance best by being extra discerning being extra careful if everybody's saying that something's awesome, then I don't know that it's wrong to really take a step back and not want to be just swept one way or another by the crowd. Yep, yeah. 
Well, here's the thing. My, if I was really going to say what my baggage is, it's sometimes hard for sometimes in case people didn't figure this out from listening to me, the way I figure out what I think is by figuring out what I don't think and by seeing what there is to oppose out there. So right. And right now it's hard because all the different viewpoints seem kind of obnoxious to me. You've got the liberals who are falling over themselves to praise this movie and pretending like it's just this flawless masterpiece. You've got critics writing things like it's Marvel's first Shakespearean epic, which it's just, this is this ain't Shakespeare, not. whatever else it is, it ain't Shakespeare. No, it's no. not. <laughs> We've got it on Solzer's authority. Forsooth! <laughs> <laughs> a script! My movie ticket for a script! <laughs> My movie ticket for a script. <laughs> so you got those people on the one hand. Then on the other hand, you got the conservative people who are like, I'm not even going to see this movie. Like, this is just it's too political for me. Too I'm politicized. Gonna, yeah. Everyone has their hot take. And I mean, it's just a stupid movie. No, <laughs> this is a movie that's important to a lot of people. I think it's worth engaging with. Yeah. The box office numbers say it, the amount of people seeing it, and the amount of people that we know and love seeing it and loving it. Right. It matters. If art's important and pop art's important, it's important to be engaged with in a discerning way. And yeah, I'm not saying that you need to go see every hot box office ticket. You can wait till it comes out on Netflix. That's fine. Or you can never watch it. If it's just not your bag, that's fine. But but we're here to help people engage. If we're going to talk about it at all, let's talk about it. Let's not pretend like we're above the fray. Like we don't right. live in this world. Like we don't have anything to say about it because we're too busy reading our Bibles over here and never thinking about anything as exactly. gauche as Black Panther. It's exactly. like, come on. Yep. We live in this world. So anyway, <laughs> the movie has, let's just talk about some of the silly flaws. Well, well we're going to talk more about the things that made us uncomfortable on bigger picture. I think we'll probably end with that. But just in terms of some of the stuff that didn't work, like you guys were saying, the action scenes were kind of lame in certain places. The writing was lame, I thought, as far the whole third act was just a bunch of people randomly switching allegiances because the plot required them to, and then everything getting a really nice and tidy. And it's not that that I think it's a real trick with a good versus evil movie. You know the hero is going to win. You know that that's going to happen. You're never really in any doubt that like T'Challa is going to die or anything like that. And so the good makers of these movies, they find a way to make you through good writing and performing and all that suspend your disbelief long enough that you just kind of let yourself go along with the idea that maybe T'Challa could be defeated, that maybe the bad guy could win. You know, a really great movie, like a a great popcorn thriller. Sure, of course, Indiana Jones. This is the third Indiana Jones movie. He's not going to die. But you let yourself, through the skill of the filmmaking, kind of just suspend your thought of that and go along with it and be excited by it. This movie didn't do that for me. It felt really inevitable. Yeah, as soon as Jordan beats... Bozeman. It's just like, okay, now I have to tap my foot and wait until we find out that he survived the fall and somebody has him somewhere who's going to peel off and who's going to stay and how are we going to rally for the you know final showdown. It was just sort of like... And then there's this group that's like of the, this guy, this powerful guy that's like, I'm not going to help you. It's like, yes, you are, dude. Mm-hmm. You're going to show up yep. at the last moment when everything's... How many times have we seen this? And it's again, it's not that I mind them playing to those old tropes, but you've got to use your filmmaking skill and your writing skill and all that to disguise it better so that it just doesn't feel lame and obvious. The Dark Knight's actually a really good example of this kind of thing because in high, everyone at the time was just like, The Dark Knight, it's awesome! Yep. My head is going to explode at how awesome it is! In hindsight, it wasn't that awesome. <laughs> it had some flaws. <laughs> yeah. The big flaw in that movie, as I see it, is that good old, what's his name, Two-Face, goes from being a golden boy to evil really, 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 really fast. They just needed to add a few scenes and kind of massage some things. And just, it's not that you can't tell that whole story within one movie, but all you got to do, what you got to do is just be more clever and not be lazy and not rely on the actor, the good actor that you've hired to sell the whole thing when you haven't written the part properly. Yeah. What, what we really mean when we say the Dark Knight was awesome is Heath Ledger was awesome. Heath Ledger was awesome, yeah. The truck flipped over. <laughs> <laughs> the truck truck did flip over. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of what I think we mean when we say Black Panther or when people are saying Black Panther was awesome is Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman are pretty awesome. Particularly Michael B. Jordan. I think. Yeah, especially oh, yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Absolutely. Yep. He really is. He is the catalyst. He is the thing that, I mean, Boseman's character is pretty flat, mm-hmm. yep. actually. He brings some some uh, charisma 
yeah. and charm to that character as just being a charismatic and charming uh, guy. But but the character of T'Challa is a pretty flat character. Michael B. Jordan is the interesting. Eric Killmonger is the interesting yeah. character. Yeah, I was disappointed by the character's flatness in general, just as a dude. I was really looking forward to the movie. This may, this may have been expecting way too much. Maybe this is where it's proper to say, Nathan, it's a Marvel movie. What'd you expect? But it's about a guy assuming the kingship. I really thought maybe it would be cool. And I especially, hopefully this doesn't sound weird. I thought it would be cool to get this from a black perspective because I'm not sure what that would be like. But I think it'd be interesting for me as a dumb white guy to find out, to just ask questions of authority, of kingship of does he want to execute Andy Circus? does he not is he pro like to actually get into how he feels and what it would be like to not be an authority over these people and, and then suddenly be because your dad dies you're in charge of everything like I really expected the movie to maybe not be Henry V level but to get into that a little bit more than it did well the, in some sense hands were a little tied because I mean Civil War took a lot away from the ability to do that we didn't get an established like what was life like before dad was dead what was his relationship with his dad none of that we had to just sort of jump in post death of dad that made it difficult I'm not saying that you're wrong or that would have been interesting just that there were other I mean problems challenges to overcome yeah maybe it's maybe it's churlish of me but I just think I wanted, you know, criticize the movie. they. This is one of my sayings I always bring up. Criticize the movie they made, not the movie they wish they would have made. I'm breaking the rule. I admit it. But if I'm making that movie, I want the scene where he has to make a decision as king that just nobody likes, that his sister's mad at him, that his girlfriend's mad. And I kind of did a little bit of that, but I would have liked to see have seen more of that because I just think that's... If you're the only decision movie, we actually get to see him make as king is the decision to accept Jordan's challenge, right? Well, the no. decision to go after Andy Circus as opposed oh, right. to not. Yeah. That's the kind of closest we get to some of the council people don't agree and he has to. But I think play if you're going to make a movie about a guy assuming the kingship, I kind of want to see a movie about the guy assuming the kingship and what that's like and the people that just. Well, we did get that <laughs> in Killmonger. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's another good example of just they didn't go very deep where, I, you know, it's like if you're going to make a movie that's important and that's deep and that has these actors, why not actually follow certain trains of thought, certain plot ideas through to their natural conclusion? So you have a really interesting story of this spear chick who fear, feels that her allegiance is to the crown like to the throne, no matter who's sitting there. So once Michael B. Jordan takes over, she feels like she has to support him. And then that whole thread is just wrapped up really neatly and nicely. And to me, that's not a satisfactory conclusion. That's simply introducing a problem and then letting her off the hook instead of actually solving the dramatic problem and making her as a character have to solve the dramatic problem. You just introduce the dramatic problem, it feels dramatic, and then you are like, nope, actually that wasn't the dramatic problem. Circumstances solved it. Yeah. That felt like cheating to me. Same thing with his brother or whoever, the the guy that's like, I will... Her husband. Yeah. Yeah. I will work for Killmonger for a while and then I'll give up. I didn't... They didn't give us enough of his, like... And I know these are... Plus, that, that, that guy pulled pulled the lame... I used to be your friend, but you pushed me too far trick where like as soon as as soon as T'Challa tries to capture Claw and fails, he's like, oh, your dad never did anything either. It's like, I'm totally done with you now that you tried and failed. (laughs) It's like, what? He just, I thought he he tried. He probably will try again. What do you like? What's the guy? This is a fake conflict. In both examples, it's characters behaving a certain way because the screenplay needs them to without. He really was a tool, the whole movie. And unfortunately, Spear Chick ended up being a little bit too, and she deserved better. The Spear Chick, obviously the coolest character in the whole thing. <laughs> we love, uh, you know, not a fan of uh, women running around in their underwear fighting Nazi. Huge fan, as it turns out, of women running around in it, tribal garments, garb. wielding spears. Wielding spears. spears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The feminist the feminism, feminism really bothered me, and we'll get to that. But um, she, she's a character deserved better writing i don't know is there anything else we want to talk about about that kind of stuff before we get to get really get into it the big questions of this movie 
Well, we could talk about these white guys. Well, there was only two of them, right? About that. Yeah. The Tolkien white guys, as some Twitter <laughs> user famously made the joke. Get it? Because Andy Serkis and uh, Martin Freeman, are, mm-hmm. they play Tolkien characters. Yeah, and there's the, the Tolkien white guys. It's like, it's a, play like a play on, play token, on the word token. Yeah, like how There's usually a token black guy. Anyway. Anyhow, I, I don't think we have anything more to say about them that doesn't fit in the big picture, actually. Yeah, but well. Martin Freeman getting to, to be sort of like the helpful token white guy was fine right okay let's talk about the big picture yep what do you want to say about the big picture jake what i remember i think we said when we got out of the movie i don't remember whether you said this or i said this you said but one of us said this movie just lets everybody feel good about themselves yeah if i go i mean the design of the movie is i go to the theater as a white guy and i feel good about i like t'challa I like the conflict. I feel like I've been, my empathy muscles have been exercised. My empathy for Michael B. Jordan and where he came from and his conflict. And You're glad Michael B. Jordan doesn't win because obviously I'm glad he, he won. I means... sympathize with him. I'm glad he doesn't win. I'm glad T'Challa wins. I'm happy that, that this movie is aiming to make a better world for all of us. I get Martin Freeman as my, hey, look, there, here's a white guy and they show him respect and I don't feel trounced or anything. Like it's not aggressive towards me. The other personally. evil white guy is so cartoonishly broadly played that you don't really have to feel like you're not like that. Whatever kind no, of racism. You get, you get what you get you is a have. really normal seeming white guy. Right. Who actually has a pretty cool skill. He's a pilot and, you know, CIA guy or whatever. He gets his heroic moment. Gets to support the noble black guy. And gets to support the, the yeah, the black team. Plays a really crucial role and turns out to not just be a cynical white CIA guy, but a guy who's, you know, I'm, I get to feel good about that. Right. And the other white guy is such a cartoon. You, 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 you know, maybe you can think, well, I've got some relatives like that, but I'm not like... Andy Serkis, you know, he's, I was actually surprised. I thought they were going to have him just say the worst word in the English language, but they didn't. I think he calls them savages at one point though. So that's who he is. Mm -hmm. He's just like, he may as well have said that, that word. Yeah. So in that sense, it's pretty smartly done. Like, um, I, you don't immediately, you know, you got two, two strong male figures at the head. So if you're a, a a blatant internet misogynist, Mm -hmm. You know, such as myself, such as you, not mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, it's still dudes, still has that patriarchal element to it. So much so that some liberals, some fringy liberal types, are complaining like this movie may break race barriers, but it's still the same old patriarchal isolationist, blah right. blah blah. Why didn't Why didn't the queen take over? Why didn't uh, Why wasn't his sister? Why wasn't his sister in line for the throne? Well, apparently there was almost a, a depiction of a lesbian relationship among the spear chicks, so that would have broken some barriers. There almost was, or apparently there was talk yeah. about it, or what? Yeah, I don't remember just how far I it define got, but... almost. There was no way. I think there's so they're savvier than that. They're savvier than that. Now, now uh, Tanahisi Coates may have lesbian relationships in his comic series among the spear chicks. Really? I'm sure he does. Would not surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me, yeah, at all. But that's different than seeing it on screen in the MCU. Mm-hmm. In a movie that that is not going to spend that capital here. Not on this film. They need everybody to walk away loving it. And what they don't want to do is give any wasp, any straight white per- white person an excuse to dislike it mm-hmm. uh, that covers their their racism. And so it really is a something for everybody kind of kind of thing. And it still has its, I mean, it is a woman. I mean, you got your two strong black guys, you got your two strong white guys, and then everybody else is women and nobody else of consequence in the film. But the women are smartly done too. And as a noted internet misogynist, there's different variations and gradations of the way you can do warrior women. We've talked about why we don't like them ad nauseum, but these warrior women were really smartly done. I still hate the stereotype and I don't know how much we need to get into that today. But They were feminine in the sense that they were loyal and they were in service of the king. Mostly feminine and bearing outside of the, now we're going to fight like... Right. Like they had their their token scenes where they beat up people. But outside of that, they basically played female roles in the movie as supportive and somewhat, I guess you could say deferential, but also really strong, but not strong in a way that's offensive to anybody, I wouldn't think. Not, you know, I mean, true or false, Jake, you want your wife to be strong, right? You don't need her to wield a spear, but don't, you know? Yeah, that's what I want my wife to be strong, but not in a spear wielding way. Yeah, but (laughs) swallowing a whole load of 
garbage that Sis you're used is awesome. as well. Who's awesome? Sis. Yeah, well, Sis is who I'm thinking of particularly. Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just nice. I wish I could remember her name. The actress or the... The character. The character. The look. character or the actress is Letitia Wright. Look it up and look it up and click it. Shuri. Shuri. Shuri, that's right. Shuri, Nakia, and then I always forget Spear Lady's name too. And Okoye. 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 Shuri, I should have remembered. Right. Nakia is pretty easy to remember. Well, I guess, uh, here, let me give my anti-feminist rant. 0.569, and then we can be done with that issue. I do hate the feminism in a movie like this, and it, I do find that it detracts from the movie. We've talked about it millions of times before. You could listen to our Wonder Woman episode, the first episode we ever did. They did a good job of combining traits that women should never have with traits that you want a woman to have in a very clever way that made it very potent and likable and made me, as a noted internet misogynist, actually find myself inwardly cheering for the women characters doing things that women should never do. And so it was very well done as a piece of feminist propaganda. You know, it's one thing to have a woman character just to be blatantly anti-man, anti-authority, anti-all that, just to be yeah. nasty about it. That's one way to do the propaganda, but a much more subtle, much more likable, much better propaganda as far as I'm concerned, certainly better at propagandizing me is to have them be a supportive sister or wife character or mother character who's basically fulfilling a f feminine role in the story, but is doing it through wielding a spear. So <laughs> it's wicked. It's stupid. It's combining things that should never be combined. It's immodest. It's bad. You can listen to our Wonder Woman episode for more than that, more on that. For me, it's almost a deal breaker. Any movie that makes me say, yeah, you go, spear chick, is not a movie that I want to watch or would want children to watch or want to recommend to anybody. And I just find myself more and more sick of that kind of thing and more and more unwilling to look past it to enjoy the things that our society says are supposed to be enjoyable. Not to be all self-righteous about it. You can go see this movie and enjoy it if you want to. And I enjoyed it on a certain level, as I've already said. But more and more, it's like, I'm not okay with these movies just having the token feminist tripe because it's just, it's wicked. It's untrue. It's unhelpful. It's bad. I'm just tired of it. Yep. Enough said. Enough said. So what else big picture about this movie? The premise of the movie is a big what if. The movie is what if there had been a well-resourced culture in Africa that had been allowed to develop on its own independently without being corrupted by colonizers? What if and what would that look like? I think that's an interesting question to ask. I think it's a fine question to ask. And I'm not opposed intrinsically to asking that question or for that what the on-screen answer to that question to have a certain degree of wish fulfillment about it however and now we come to it this is the big however of the entire movie really this is the however of the entire movie this is the part you've been waiting the whole podcast for us to get to um I'm not gonna pretend like it's not the premise that civilization civilizations advance on their own and that they advance outside of and truly advance outside of the moral order provided by the gospel. Those are false premises, one. On the other hand, the pristination of certain elements of African culture that are in fact demonic was awful. Yeah, we when we got out of the movie, what we said to each other, I think I, I just said there was one guy, one guy that kept being a background extra in the movie that just about ruined the movie for me. Yep. If not, just ruined the movie for me. Absolutely. He's got a big... It's a lip plate. Lip plate. Yeah. It's the guy with the lip plate. And that's... I was willing... I think I was willing to go there. I was 100% willing to go there with the dress. Mm -hmm. Like with the... Tr like. No, I wish we dressed like it in clothes like that. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> well, I want to I see what... In real life, I want to see what an Africa... In an African culture redeemed by the gospel and developed mm -hmm. within the moral order provided by the gospel. I want to see what that looks like. Well, we have a couple. I very that, much want to see what that looks like. We have a couple that comes to church. Where, where are they from? We have a couple that comes to church that's, that, that, that's from Africa. And sometimes they come to church wearing these colorful African clothes, like fancy clothes from their culture. And I just think it's really cool. Like it's. It's well, these, really pretty for one. It's really pretty. It's these vibrant. Technicolor colors, these these rich, bright blues, purples and greens and, and stuff and yeah. golds. And it's really cool. So seeing asking the what if and then answering it with there'd be some really cool clothes. So there are a couple totally okay with that. I mean, there are a couple of things that maybe 
about the way they did it that I liked. Like I liked that it's right. It's absolutely right for the reason for Wakanda to advance to be because it has an outside alien influence acting on it, namely the the source of vibranium. Because the reality is cultures don't advance without an alien outside mm-hmm. re- thing acting on it. Western civilization was a bunch of barbarians. We were... If your heritage is Western Europe, your heritage is a heritage of barbarians. The fact is the gospel came to a bunch of barbarians and transformed a bunch of barbarians. Mm-hmm. That's our heritage. That's my heritage. And I'm a mutt. I'm a mutt that's part Germanic, part Irish, part Scottish, part English, part who knows what. But I'm a barbarian mutt. Western civilization developed because the gospel came to the West. Mm-hmm. And it developed in a very particular way. Because that development led to a certain kind of power, there was all kinds of evil done because of that. I'd like to see what the African version of that would be. It would be very different, and that could, and it could be very cool. But it would also mean certain things changing and going away and never coming back again. There are certain pagan, barbaric things that were are associated with my varying heritages that that had to die and mm-hmm. go away. For African culture to be redeemed, certain things, things have to that die. are pagan, that are in fact, I want to say demonic. They need to die. They need to die. They need to die. And so when you see this movie, I mean, it really was the lip plate guy that bugged me because here's this thing that's just representative of, I mean, if you actually read, and we actually have an article, an older article on warhornmedia.com that I'll link to in the show notes. By a guy who grew up in the Congo and talks, he, it's about scarification, mm-hmm. but it's about, well, the title of the article is Mark of Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're not going to take the time to make that whole argument today on the podcast, but you can read the article. You can actually listen to, I think it's the third episode of our Hearts of Darkness series that we did for the bookening. We had Lucas on and he talked about some of his experiences. He talked about how scared he was when some tribesmen came to do like a ritual for the school. He was a missionary kid in the Congo. What Lucas does in the article is he talks about scarification, how brutal it is, how brutal it can be. Scarification is like, if you don't know, it's a lot you you see it in Black Panther uh, Michael B Jordan when he takes his shirt off there's a scar for every person that he person that he's killed that's the kind of intentional scarring of the body to make tribal markings but it's done to children and they're cut and then the wounds are kept open and festering so that they scar and scar big so it makes a mark on your body so that's that supposed it, to last that's decorative that's yeah it goes hand in hand with fgm female genital mutil- mutilation and lots of other practices that are well in the article lucas is actually the point of the article is he's comparing it to yeah he ends up comparing it to uh transgender uh, gender reassignment gender surgery, reassignment surgery is what and uh, and the prevalence of tattooing here in the in the states among millennials, and talks about how it's all about uh, being marked with a tribal identity of some kind, and a sign of feeling displaced or a sign of feeling uh, of needing to belong. What we have in the gospel is uh, marking. We're baptized, and we are identified by Christ by being baptized into His body. Tattoos were a big deal among the barbarians, and mm-hmm. then they weren't because they were baptized. And the same thing has to happen. And should your kid get a flower tattoo? We're not answering that question today, folks. Whatever. But the, the point is, there are things about the culture that are wicked and that are representative of bad things. And to have this movie glorify, it was literally, I think, I didn't even really, there's this part where he drinks a magic potion and goes to the spirit world and sees his dad and stuff. On the ancestral plane. To me, that part was so generic that it basically just felt like Star Wars or something. I didn't feel like my religion was particularly being insulted. It was stupid and lame and dumb, but... The the plant itself comes from the panther god or something like that. Right. I think the implication was it grew because of the vibranium... That's what I thought. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. I forget. So that part, I could be like, this is junk, but this is the kind of junk that I can live with in a movie that I'm enjoying on some other levels. The guy with the facial plate and some stuff like that, the scarification, that being presented as part of this vibrant, awesome, technologically advanced, beautiful society, I couldn't stomach it. I didn't like it. It took me out of the movie every time, and it really soured my whole experience of the movie. Like, you can't just call what's evil good and what's good evil that blatantly, you know? And, and there will be people out there maybe listening to this who think, well, that's just, that's your racism culture is neutral. No, it's not. 
No, it's not. Culture is not neutral, and cultural expressions are not neutral. And it's not racist to say that certain cultural expressions are wrong or evil. And you might say it's going too far to say a lip plate is evil. Yeah, I mean, we could argue about that all day, but a lip plate is symbolic of something. It's emblematic of something. It's portraying the whole African practice of burning or branding or cutting yourself modifying your body in a destructive to your body way of body modification as something good and cool and okay and it's just not i mean if you really do the research and look at it it's something that's done to young children a lot of the times and it's just like it's not cool yeah (laughs) it's sad and it's pretty horrifying sometimes and and that needs to go away and it's loving that people group that makes you say and we'll see we'll begin to see what a really beautiful redeemed african culture looks like when we see the gospel transform we see people repenting of and stopping those practices Mm -hmm. it won't look exactly like what white western civilization but there will be things in common no yeah and those things in common will exist because the gospel changes us and but that's how conforms us to the law of god So I don't know. For me, I want to say that was basically just the deal breaker. You know, you could say with the feminism, with certain other aspects, the movie was calling what was evil good and what was good evil. And you'd be right. Maybe I'm just more desensitized to some of those other things. Maybe those things should have been deal breakers, too. But the fact is, this was so blatant and literally in your face and so I mean, I honestly honestly think that for the purposes of enjoying the movie... You take the lip plate out. I like it a lot better. Yeah. You got fidgety at a certain point because you got text message or something like that. I didn't know that. I just knew that you got fidgety. And I wondered if it wasn't just because lip guy had turned you off so much that you had just decided not to invest any more emotional energy in the movie. And if that had been the case, it wouldn't have surprised me. There was a moment like that. I did get a text right the first time we were in the throne room and we saw him right there. I put my hand on my, my head on my hand and just had a moment of, am I going to just check out of this movie right now? Can Mm -hmm. I take this? But then I came back. (laughs) It is because of the, the bad elements of African culture that were integrated into the movie that I immediately wanted to talk to all my friends who have uh, children who are black or of mixed race Mm -hmm. and wanted to say, okay, I'd like, I'd like you to watch this and talk to me about it as a parent. Do you want your kids? Like, are you cool with with this movie, with your kids. This movie is for your kids. This movie is for, to Joseph, this is this is so Tate can have a superhero. That well, as, he as we really walked out, there was a bunch with. of little, they couldn't have been more than what, like five or six? No, there's only three of them. Well, yeah, it's a three, not a bunch. I don't know. Um, But but, but how old were they? Like probably five or six or maybe in, seven, In the eight. six to 10. Yeah. In the six to 10. Three kids uh, that were there uh, with mom and dad, I think. Right. And I don't and blame mom and dad for wanting to take them to see this you know, most of the Marvel movies are generally not going to have a lot of sex or anything too nasty. And I mean, we can have the debate about what age kids should see these kinds of movies. But the point is, the instinct wasn't crazy. No, they took their, we actually, they took their kids out of school right. to see Black Panther. We saw an early they were super ex- on school day. Yeah. They were excited about it and thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite know how to put myself in their shoes, but I kind of put myself in, in mom or dad's shoes of... Yeah, I want my kid to have this. Right. Well, while acknowledging that your viewpoint is going to be somewhat limited in your ability to put yourself into those particular folks' shoes, do you recommend this film for children? No. 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 What age should someone be before they even begin to think about seeing this movie? PG-13 is probably... Probably about right. About right. I will say... I mean, what you need to... Yeah, you're going to say what I'm going to say. Well, yeah. The one thing that parents should know... They should know a couple things. Number one, the violence is pretty intense for PG-13. Here's what I would say. Uh, Get a picture... Go online and get a picture of the... uh, Get some pictures of the, uh, the guard. I forget what they're called. Joe... Dora Milaje. Dora, Dora, oh no, no, Dora Malache. The Dora Dora Malache. Right. Pay attention to their dress and the way the dress accentuates certain parts of their anatomy. Right. In detail. You know, we don't really want people to go have to look for the picture, though, so we should just 
cover your kids' ears if they're listening with you right now. I'm just going to tell you what it is. You can see the impression of the nipples. On all of the women. On all of the women. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I was distracted by it the whole movie. I was not, I didn't, I didn't sin because of it. Okay. But I certainly noticed it. And any 13 year old boy worth his salt is, it's going to be the one thing that he notices about the movie. So you should totally be aware of that before you begin to think about whether your kids want to see this movie. Yep. I'm more holy than Nathan. I didn't notice it till more towards the third act. When Um, did you notice it, Ben? (laughs) I don't remember really noticing it. Well, you're the most holy one of us all. You're the most oblivious. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed it the whole time. And I guarantee you, any 13-year-old boy, add some hormones back into the mix, and (laughs) I think all three of us would notice it quite a bit. So there was that. Outside of that aspect of dress. There's not a lot that's... That's physically immodest. Or physically sexual, yeah. I, I mean, mean you're, you're, you're gonna get you gonna get on that. You're yeah. seeing people dressed in tropical kinds of clothing, I guess. Well, um, and you're gonna see on the flip side of that, you're gonna see a couple of pretty well shaped young men with yep. their shirts off. Yep, that does intend to be something that stands out to me personally, but you should be aware of that too. So do with that information what you will. It's there. It's in the movie. The violence was pretty intense feeling too for a kid I would think it wasn't you didn't see anything too horribly violent it was on the intense side of a PG-13 movie yeah um, certainly more intense than Captain America and Iron Man or jumping around fighting aliens stuff shooting so, things out of their hands yeah those if, if, if Avengers is kind of a soft fun PG-13 that you might not feel as bad about your kids watching this is going to be on the other side of the spectrum a little bit harder PG-13 and just the violence has more content consequence to it it matters and it's people instead of robots or anything you know it's just weird it's not weird space creatures or monsters or disposable yeah or just robots like in ultron so there's that aspect to it i don't know should people see this movie at all yeah do you recommend black panther then we haven't heard a lot from you do you recommend black panther to people not really no you just didn't like it that much? No, I didn't like it that much. You guys are bringing up really good stuff with the scarification and the sexuality. And I just, just didn't. it's not, it's not, it's not good enough to, in my book, to even get be like, well, it's still worth watching because. Yeah, it's got these things that make it a great movie in other ways. Here, yeah, here's what I would say. It's not worth watching as a movie in and of itself. Yeah. yeah it's just kind of lame. It's worth watching. If you want to engage and be a part of the conversation, go ahead and watch it. You won't be bowled over by anything too completely inappropriate. No, and it's not, you at least know what people are talking about. If you're you want to following the Marvel movies and enjoying that whole th- No reason deal. to say, no, don't go watch it. Right. Unless you are particularly susceptible to... That thing that we talked about earlier. The sexualized or... Uh, stuff or the feminist stuff mm-hmm. it is very immodest in in every sense of the word and as far as that's concerned mm. and so if you're gonna watch through the movie with some maturity and if you think that you might enjoy it then you probably will if you don't have any maturity or you just aren't this isn't the kind of movie you like it certainly does not transcend the genre no nope. all the hype is wrong Basically, I disagree with it. I think people are excited because this movie is doing something for them that's completely outside of the movie. The movie itself. And some of that might not even be evil. Some of it might be people are just excited about a thing that's doing a thing. That's okay. But it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. The movie is not, if you go in expecting this to truly be Shakespearean or to transcend the genre in some way, it doesn't. If my niece, if I had nieces and nephews who were black, which I may and I hope to have, I would have no hesitation. I think I would be happy for them to have a black superhero that they could dress up as and think is cool. I don't think I would have any hesitation encouraging or thinking it was cool or fun for them to go as Black Panther for Halloween. And so in that very limited sense... If they were going to watch the movie, though, you'd want to have a long no, conversation. Yeah, no, a, no, no, you no. wouldn't let them see the movie unless they were a little bit older. That's right. B, if they did, you'd want There'd the- be a lot of things I'd want to talk with them about. You'd want to say, dude, this lip guy, not cool, symbolic or representative of things that are not cool. Yeah. Lying to you. Yeah, there are lots of better ways to embrace your black cultural heritage than by thinking that's cool because it's not. 
Just like there are better ways for me to embrace my Swedish heritage than to get a hat with some horns and go rape and pillage a village somewhere. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> I'm proud to be Swedish, but doesn't mean I have to <laughs> go do that. Indeed. So Jake doesn't have to embrace his Germanic... Well, I don't even have to finish that thought, right? <laughs> um, Famous conquerors of world. <laughs> there are things about German culture that we're really glad have died and gone away. And insofar as Indeed. those things have been... Lederhosen. Lederhosen. Or yeah, Lederhosen yeah. completely. Uh, Wiener schnitzel. I wish that one would go away, you know. That's um, pretty good stuff right there. <laughs> that's true. Actually, German food can I be I think it's actually delicious. more Austrian in my case. Yeah. I don't really know. I just know Germanic, whatever that means. You've got Demon Mensel in your background. For yes, Demon Mensel is a person who exists. Right, or existed. Existed. I'm glad that right. Jake hasn't embraced the heritage of Demon, <laughs> Demon Mensel. Mensel. Where, right. where did that come up? Oh, it came up in the booking on uh, yeah, My Antonia. Our baggage for My Antonia, and Jake talks about that. It's pretty interesting. Go and listen to all her <laughs> stuff. It's wonderful. <laughs> all right, well, my verdict is... Ben says the movie's lame and doesn't really transcend anything about the genre or anything about the bad stuff you'll have to put up with. Jake says, kind of agree, but if you like that kind of thing, if you if you are bringing to it a little bit more of, then yeah, you'll probably like it. Might get something out of it. Certainly make your experience of watching Avengers 5 better or 4, whatever it is, 3, the next Avengers movie. It's got to just be 3, although it feels like between Civil War and whatever else. And Jake says, with certain giant, huge, massive caveats, he wouldn't be sad for his hypothetical black nieces and nephews or kid friends to dress up as Black Panther for Halloween. Yeah, it's cool. Is that a fair summation of what you said? Yeah, I, I mean, I just... It's fun to have a hero that looks like you. Yeah, that's right. Wrong with like, that. Yeah, you want... You know, it was fun for me as a kid to think that my dad kind of looked like Christopher Reeve's Superman. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be cool to grow up with a superhero that kind of looks like dad. Mm-hmm. That I could dress up as and be so. Yeah, I don't. I don't. In any of our criticisms, want to take that away? Yeah, at nope. all. Me neither. I thought the movie was just taken, removed from all the hype, removed from all the hot takes, removed from everything. I thought the movie itself, removed from the MCU, even just taken as a piece of filmmaking craft and a piece of screenwriting craft. Not not the best. Certainly, I wouldn't put it anywhere near my top two or three Marvel movies like the, I don't know, my top Marvels would be what? I Probably the first Iron Man. Homecoming. Homecoming, of course. Winter uh, Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. Civil War? First Guardians? The first Guardians, I've kind of done a 180 on, decided yeah. the moral of the movie is so nasty and it's so mean-spirited that it's hard for me to get behind. But I did enjoy it when I first saw it. So as a cynical adult, Guardians Thor is Thor kind of Ragnarok. Fun. Nope. Thor, The Dark World. Nope. Thor. Nope. <laughs> Captain America, The First Avenger. Nope. Kind of fun. Iron Man 2. I know what it is. What's I that? Like Iron Man 3. Ant-Man. Ant-Man is in your top three. Yep, you're right. It's number three. It's yep. Ant-Man. I need them to make more Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Is that the plural of? <laughs> Ant-Man movies. I need them to make more Ant-Man movies so that I can have more movies to fill out my top five. I need them yeah. to make at least five. Maybe some WAF spinoffs. Maybe Michael Douglas can just have his own movie where he's grumpy and just working in the Howard lab. Howard Pym and... is just grumpy working in a lab, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Doctor Strange. Nope. Ah, The Incredible Hulk. Nope. <laughs> no? Ed Norton? Nope. Huh. <laughs> neither, neither Hulk movie. <laughs> Nope. It would be the last two Captain American movies for sure would be in the running at least. Spider-Man Homecoming would be in the running. Iron Man 1 would be in the running. Iron Man 3 is a lot of fun too, but probably wouldn't be in the running quite. Yeah, Iron Um, Man 3 is pretty good. And the other ones all have their varying degrees of fun things about them. But uh, yeah, I I like those Marvel movies. I think they're fun. But I don't know. Black Panther, not my favorite. All right. Well, we don't have anything to plug. Actually, we do have something to plug. People can still come to our pastor's conference, right? Yeah. Get in your car, hop on a plane, get here, pay at the door. We'll let you in. Yep. Come and it starts tomorrow, tomorrow night. If you're listening to this on the drop date, you could come and it'll be more expensive for you. But we probably, you know. Got problems with the cost. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Just let Jake know. Hit him up on Twitter. Call him on the phone for crying out loud. Go ahead. You can find it. It's out there. Yep. 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 You can get a hold of Jake one way or another. And he's a nice guy and he really, really wants you to come. And I bet you he can make it easy for you to do so if there's any problems in that regard. You betcha. So you do that. Seriously. No joke. If a million people do that, then we'll be happy. That's okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Our uh, food lady will maybe panic and... That'll be okay. We'll just, you know, we'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. So don't let anything hinder you that 
could possibly hinder you. Come to the Pastors Conference. It's called The Good Fight. It's on the nature of conflict in the Christian church, and it stars the great Toby Sumter, the great Tim Bailey, and the great Max Correll. Pastors, all of them wise men that will no doubt provide compelling content for you to listen to with your ears and watch with your eyes. In between the times in which you fellowship with people, which is to my mind, the coolest part of the conference. And so some of the people you'll be fellowshipping with are Benjamin Q. Solzer, the engineer, who engineered us. Hmm. Jake Menzel, the pastor, who was one of the two executive producers, with the other being me, Nathan Alberson. This program was also produced by me. Until next time, folks. Stay sane. <laughs>